Here at the Fantasy Doctors, we use our expertise in the world of sports as well as medicine to bring you the most up-to-date injury news. Our first injury of the day actually broke his back last week. I want Lionel Messi healthy. I want Suarez healthy. Fam, fam. Mo Salah is beasting. I want Ronaldo healthy. I want the whole squad healthy. Seven La Liga title in a span of 10 years. That basically, to me, that means he was concussed. He was knocked out. There was absolutely no competition. We're your hosts, physical therapy students, Andy and Berg. And welcome to the Fantasy Doctors. Hello, soccer, soccer players. Podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It's me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, how are you doing today, bro? You know what? <laughs> it's it's funny when I go back and edit the <laughs> the podcast. It's the same intro every time. I'm wondering if the listeners are getting sick and tired of the same intro. Every well, time. Berg, Berg, I told you this a few weeks ago. I was I like, know, I know, but yo, I, I was editing. It's the I was same. editing. Oh, true. I was yeah, yeah, editing bro. back then. I wasn't editing consistently. Now I'm like, oh wow, it's it's, it's literally <laughs> the same. And I said the same thing every every time. I either say I'm chilling, or I either say I'm good, which is gonna be the same answer today. Yep, I am, yep. <laughs> I am. No, it's not. I'm blessed. Snowstorm today, Andy. You're so blessed. My, okay. Yes. Snowstorm today in Massachusetts. So my patient, like I got uh, from an eight-hour day, I saw two people. So that Oof. is that is a blessing. That is a blessing. How about you? Uh, How are you doing? You back in um, Maryland? That's back in Maryland. Back in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, life is good. Uh, I woke up from a nap about forty minutes ago. I Ooh. feel so refreshed. Uh, Duke basketball plays later, and I'm going to a gym before that happens. So life is good right now. I'm on a good wave. Where you going? You actually going? You going to the actual game? No, no, I'm going to the gym before I watch the game. Oh, so you're not going to the yeah. – oh, that, are they playing – they're not playing at home? Oh, no, no. I think they're – they might be playing in like – I think they're playing at Michigan, actually, Michigan oh, State. Okay. So, yeah, I'm definitely not going to that. Okay. Yeah, Michigan. So, if you want more snow, you got to go up there. Yep, not going there. Nope. <laughs> Oh, right, what we got going on today? What, 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 what do we have in store for the listeners? Well, last week we dove a little bit into your injury history, and I feel like it was a honestly a pretty typical yeah. history in terms of of soccer players. You know, yeah, some it was groin, a lot of a lot of ankles, and how you dealt with that. But this week we're getting into into some of my history, and I feel like it's a little bit different, um, but it can also shed some some light for the listeners in terms of. Um, what complex injury can really be like? Okay, so what happened to you? What 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 what? what I knew what happened, but the listeners yeah, don't know. So I mean, growing up, I was I was blessed. Never had any injuries whatsoever. The only injuries I can think of when I was younger was um, like hamstring cramps, because if you're not conditioned then you're going to cramp up. I never rolled my ankle. First time I actually remember rolling my ankle, I was 18 years old. Wow. Yeah. And um, I was doing something stupid in college. I tried to jump off of like a, like a railing and there was a ramp below me that I didn't know was there. And that was the first time I ever even rolled my ankle. Um, but 
last year, my second year of PT school, I had a surgery where, and this is, this is a, a very complex topic in and of itself. I essentially had a surgery where I had to have my tibia bone, like my shin bone, um, cut down in half and they spun the distal end a little bit, the, the, the end of the bone and they pinned it back in place. So, um, although the mechanism was a little bit differently, it was essentially a broken leg. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, both what it's like to have orthopedic surgery in general and point number two, what rehab from a broken leg is, is really like. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So before that, that surgery, right? You know, sometimes yep. when you do surgery, there's a need for surgery. What was your mm -hmm. need? Were you in a lot of pain? You know, was it messing with your performance? What was going on? What, what made you decide to go for surgery? It's, it's not a, it's not a, like a, your everyday decision where you say, you say, all right, doc, you can cut into my skin and, and, and you know, screw with my bones and stuff like that. That's a pretty invasive stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't so have a problem, you, you want to stop for surgery. Yeah, it, it was actually a, a very interesting case from, from my own perspective. So um, growing up, my foot was actually crooked. So if you, if most people are walking, their feet either point straight ahead or they're slightly out to the side by maybe 10 degrees or so. Now on my right foot, it was out to the side by about 20, 25 degrees. Okay. My left foot was out to the side by about 60, 65 degrees. So did I have pain? No. But what, is, what was happen actually happening to me is throughout the day, and this was, I noticed this all through growing up, so I was somewhat normalized to it, but I would trip on everything because while I'm walking in a straight path, I think something isn't in my way. And it turns out it is in my way because my foot's sticking out to the side. I catch my foot on it and I trip on it. Now, um, is this a very urgent thing to have surgery for? Most people would think no. Um, going through PT school, I was then, it, the, the, the day it really hit me to have the surgery was when we were learning, learning about falls and fall prevention because I would trip and almost fall probably about once a week. And Jesus. although it doesn't seem like a lot, if you almost no, that's trip a lot. once a week, <laughs> if when you're 80, 90 years old, that can be literally a death sentence for you. Mm -hmm. So um, I hit up a few doctors and the, the disorder or disease or whatever you want to call it, deformity that I have is called external tibial torsion. And it's a pediatric condition. Yeah, I was going to say, that's something <laughs> little kids have, not something yes, a full-grown adult this, will have. Yes. So essentially what it was happening was while my bone was growing, it was twisting out to the side. And the early intervention for it is something along the lines of while you're younger, put your foot in some sort of brace to de-twist de your foot while it's still growing so you can avoid the surgery. Now, when you're older, that's not an option. And on top of that, I was 23 years old at the time. Most pediatricians refuse to see anybody over the age of 25 if you are a previous patient. Mm. If you are a new patient, 
that's still even harder to get to. So I was calling around and I was realizing, man, if I don't deal with this right now, by the time I turn 25, no one will even see me in the first place. So that combined the fact with uh, my mom is a nurse who works for a hospital and we have very good insurance with that hospital. The procedure was almost free for us. That combined with the fact that I was a student at PT school and I was about to enter Thanksgiving break. So I would have Thanksgiving break off, a week off, combined with three weeks for Christmas break, combined with the fact that I had a bunch of professors who were saying like, yeah, um, once you get your treatment going, I would love to see you type of thing. Like it was really a perfect blend, the perfect storm of everything saying, okay, like if now is the time to do it, then let's go ahead and do it. And I'm less worried about the, the rehab and everything like that, just because I know I have a very sturdy um, foundation, a very sturdy background to work off of. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, that was a lot, <laughs> but yeah. So you 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 went to the hospital, got the surgery. We don't need to talk about the procedure because you know that you know we don't want to confuse our listeners. Um, but you know, talk to us the day the day after the sur- well the after after the surgery when you wake up because you know how it is. Why right? you go in there? You you awake? Next thing you know, you're waking up. Yeah. So, wow, that was, that was actually a crazy day in general because that day, Berg, I had the surgery. I don't remember, but do you remember that really bad snowstorm the week before Thanksgiving last year Mm -hmm. where literally everything was shutting down? That was the day of my surgery. So I actually, I was supposed to fly from Raleigh, North Carolina to Newark, New Jersey two flights got canceled. And then uh, I ended up taking a flight from Raleigh on the, on the East Coast to Minneapolis up by like central Canada. Jeez. Took another flight over to Jersey. By that time, it was about 2.30 in the morning. Um, my dad drove me to the hospital. He dropped me off there. And then the hospital doors were actually all shut. So I was walking around the hospital just looking for an open door. Found an open door. By that time, it was about 3.30. And then I checked in, um, surgeon came through around like 7.30, 8 o'clock. And she's like, you're ready? I'm like, you know, I traveled halfway around the country to get here, literally. Like, let's just do it. So put me to sleep. And I woke up. And then at that moment I woke up, I was in so much pain, Mm. so much pain. And my first thought was like, this literally was not worth it. Because I, I was in so much, like all the sturdy background that I told you I had, the foundation, I was like, that's all pretty much gone to shit at this point. Like, it hurts so much. Like, just and, laying in um, bed and not, not, not even rolling in bed, just laying there. Uh, yeah, it, it literally felt like somebody took a hammer and crushed my lower leg. That's, that's probably and, what they did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they did the same thing with the saw, but um, yeah, I was in so much pain and I was so hungry, but I didn't want to eat, which is like weird for me because I normally love to eat. And I remember I was like, damn, I got to go to the bathroom. So here I am with Mm -hmm. a leg that hurts so bad. I'm hungry. I'm on all sorts of drugs and medication and I have to go to the bathroom. 
And then at that moment, I realized, dang, I've never used crutches before. Like I've used them in PT school to like learn how to teach other people how to use them. But that's completely different that's than using them yourself for the first time when you have an while on pain problem. medication. Yeah. So a nurse tried to help me how to use them. And this is tip number one, guys. If you're going to get surgery, I would suggest going to PT before you actually get the surgery for a number of reasons. One of them is that they can teach you how to use crutches. Um, because although doctors and nurses are great for your medical care, I don't think post-surgically is the best time to learn how to use crutches. And if you're doing it beforehand, I think a PT or an athletic trainer can really um, give you the best education you need. But going to the bathroom was probably about a 20 hour or a 20 minute process Ooh. just because I was learning how to use the crutches. I had to do a single like squat to get to the, to the toilet, do another one to get up. And oh my it God. Was, it was, it was tough, man. It was real tough. Man, needless to say, number two was a taking a number two was a horrifying experience. Experience. It was. So you had to it squat was. down to get that. So you have to what? We got to do single leg squat and holding on to the rails now. Yep, I got really bathroom. good at single leg squats really quick, man. Huh? What about when you? Okay, never mind. I'm I'm getting ahead of him. I was gonna ask like, how about when you got home and there's no railing or anything like that? How did you manage? <laughs> so, um. I did something that I probably don't recommend you guys to do, but um, let's just say my right leg got very explosive and I became very good at hopping. So Mm. I pretty much hopped up and down the stairs, uh, mostly because while I was in the hospital, I didn't receive much crutch training. And I felt like my right leg was very strong. And it was actually safer for me to do some sort of hop up and down the stairs rather than use the crutches. Using the crutches. Okay. I was deathly scared of using the crutches going downstairs. I thought it was safer for me to hop going upstairs. And then going down, I just sat down, did a single leg squat, and slowly slid down mm-hmm. the stairs. So those were your limitations, right? You couldn't walk. Um, it was difficult for you to just sit down and sit up. What else? What else had, did you have difficulty with? Showering. Um, Showering. I had to. Oh, I was yeah. in a cast for about 12, eight to 12 weeks or so. So every time I wanted to shower, I had to take my leg, wrap it in a plastic bag, tape the bag to my skin Jesus. to make sure that no water leaked. And then once I got in the shower, I had to do a single leg squat onto a cooler, do, take a shower while sitting down, and then. Getting out was tricky, too, because now my feet are wet. I'm in a bathtub, and I only have one leg, and I can't slip at all. So your, your other leg becomes very strong and very stable a lot quicker than you think it has to. Huh. Um, other things were things like going to the grocery store. If I didn't have a grocery store with, like, a power wheelchair, then I probably would have been screwed. Um, but, yeah. Huh. Man, you know, this is some of the same stuff that my patient post-ops are telling me. Unfortunately, I've never, fortunately, I've never experienced a surgery to that extent. So I, uh, I can't really imagine the experience. Yeah. And I mean, it's one thing hearing it and it's another thing to do it yourself, yeah, no. you know, and 
that was the first time where I was like, wow, this really, this really isn't the same. Like, even though somebody tells me, yeah, I hop up the stairs, I might understand what that feels like to do it once, but to do it 12 <laughs> times a day for eight weeks, man, that's a different, that's a different level right there. Uh, how did it feel when they, when they clear you out to like, to do like weight bearing stuff? So this is where I say point number two, if you don't see your physio or your athletic trainer or whatever, before your surgery, make sure you go after. Um, even if, in my opinion, your surgeon says you're clear to go, um, I would still go anyway. Make sure you go see a physical therapist if you have any deficits in terms of strength whatsoever. So my surgeon was amazing. She honestly was the best. She accommodated me so well, and the procedure was extremely well done. But I won't forget the first day I got out of my cast and um, I was in a boot for a while, then I got out of the boot and then it was time to finally walk on my own. And I came up on my tippy toes and she says, okay, I want you to take out your right leg, your healthy leg, and just stay up on your tippy toes on just your left. <laughs> Boom. I dropped down like a rock. She's like, you didn't do it. I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and tried it again boom like a rock just just fell onto my flat feet so, and it was that was the first time i really realized what what i was really in for in terms of returning strength because in my mind i was thinking okay bone takes 8 to 12 weeks to heal muscle muscle atrophy yeah it's bad but i'm a healthy guy it'll come back really quick da 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 so I thought it would come back a lot quicker than it actually did. So you couldn't even do a calf raise? Couldn't do a calf raise for probably, I couldn't do a single leg calf raise well for probably about a month. Hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that means, you, you for those of those, the listeners, um, if you're wondering like, how is that important, the fact that you can't do a calf raise, well, just think about how you walk. When you walk, every time you, you take a step, you know, every time you walk, there's in the steps that you're taking, there's a there's a component of a calf raise into into walking. So if you can't really, you know, push off the ground to take a step, then you you know your 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 walking is gonna be a little bit. How do you say this? I don't know the the layman term for this. So basically, you're gonna limp because you can't push off to the ground. Then forget about like running. <laughs> God, God no. Yeah, yeah, and. One of the hardest things about it is when anybody goes through surgery of any extent where you're non-weight bearing, you're likely going to gain a little bit of weight. And I gained probably about, I'll say six or eight pounds, hmm. which really isn't too bad. But if I gained six pounds and I lost visibly, I probably lost about another five or so of muscle to my leg in general then that puts me at a net of like probably 10 to 12 pounds of fat at Ooh. least. Um, that combined with the fact that your, your calf muscle has to be strong enough to lift your entire body weight. So now your calf muscle shrank, your body weight went up, and you're asking it to try to lift that entire weight. That's now, the type of, of way you kind of have to think of how difficult a calf raise really is. Not only that, now because your calf can actually – 
um, can actually can't actually handle you know your new weight because it's so weak. Now your body's gonna compensate, right? You're not gonna walk the same yeah. way. And then you mm-hmm. might have. Did you have any other pain like anywhere else besides your foot? Mm, so at the beginning, I had what most people call like snapping hip, Ooh. where my hip muscle was pretty weak. And oh man, the first day I got out of, I, I was still in the boot, but I got clearance to walk. That week, Duke was playing UVA in basketball. And of course I went and my hip was snapping every step for about eight hours that day. Yeah, you and, hear the snap. Um, you hear it. You heard yeah, it snap. You heard it. The, you heard the, the tendon, the muscle physically snapping over the bone. And um, that was only the, the only pain I really had throughout most of the entire process other than pain at the ankle. Hmm. For, for the listeners, it's, it's, it's also very common just because let's say you go and have a surgery, right? Let's say you have an ankle surgery. It's very common for you to experience weakness, not just at the part where they, they had the surgery, but when you go up the joint, like you may experience some weakness on your hip and or on your knee as well. And you, you may wonder, why is that? Because they didn't cut that part. They only cut the ankle. Why am I weak in the, the, the joint up there? Well, that, that's, that's. The kind of thing happened when you do surgery, you know, one body part is not working properly. And then the other body part has to work even extra hard to compensate for, you know, that muscle not working. So as a result, you know, you get, you get, you know, you get some weakness in other part, you know, you get, you get pain. Like Andy said, he got, he started getting snapping, snapping hip because his hip was working too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right, now you weight bearing. Um, how long do you think you would? Were you thinking? Because there's a period of time when you're like, "Oh my God, it's gonna take so long." And then the first step, the first couple of months is just so hard. But once you get through that, everything else just like start coming in fast. Did it go like that for you, or was just was it very very slow? <laughs> so when I first had the surgery, I thought I would be. Out, uh, I thought I'd be walking on my own within eight weeks with no cast, no boot, no nothing. And one of the things that I think made it more, more difficult than what it was, was I told you I had very good health insurance with my mom's hospital. Yeah. Now, if I go anywhere else, it's absolutely terrible. Oh, God. So part of the reason why I had the surgery when I had it was that I would be home for Thanksgiving, I'd be home for Christmas, and I'd be home for winter break. So those were my planned checkups to go to um, the physician to get x-rays and everything like that. And that timeline didn't exactly match up with my recovery timeline. Um, my first checkup, I was slightly behind in terms of bone healing. Why that is, I don't know. Um, but that set the rest of my timeline back a little bit. So because of that, I was probably in the cast for longer than I needed to, because I needed to go home to get x-rays. So how long were you in probably in the boot for longer than I needed to, for the same reason. How long were you in the boot for? Like I was in the cast until... I want to say 
close to the end of December, beginning of January. Then I was in the boot for a while. I was supposed to remember, I, I remember I was supposed to only be in the boot for about four weeks or so. Yeah, it's usually a month. Yeah. And then um, I ended up being in it for longer because, again, I had to <clears throat> go back home, get my x-ray. And then from there, I was able to be cleared. But um, it, was a, it was longer than expected. Hmm. And what that does for the muscles is it allows them to atrophy more. Because once the bone is healed, you want to use your muscle as quickly as possible. The longer you wait, the more atrophy you're going to get which means it's going to make your overall recovery longer as well. Man, sounds like a, was a, was a rough, was a rough surgery, man. Yeah, it was, I would pay you not as easy as I thought. Yeah. So, okay. Now, uh, I may be jumping the gun a little, a little too fast, but in terms of let's, let's talk about your rehab. A little bit mm-hmm. in yep. terms of your rehab from the point where you could actually tolerate a little bit of walking and then talk to us about your rehab from that point until to the point where you know you can actually jump and lean onto your on, onto your onto your leg yeah so i had um when i went for my last follow-up with my surgeon i was like i need a script for pt I got one and um, I ended up seeing a PT that I, that I was shadowing with um, at that time at Duke Sports. And um, we kind of went through the motions, you know, and I was in a very particular spot because every visit was costing me about $180. Because, Woo! yeah, I was, I, it was a very weird deductible situation um, just because Damn. I wasn't. I wasn't going to my mom's um, my mom's hospital PT. If I went there, it would have been free. So I told him, I was like, yo, I, although I'm in PT school and I fully understand the importance of physical therapy, like, damn, I really can't be coming here that often. So I ended up actually going about once every two to three weeks. Um, I didn't do any manual therapy, which is like more hands-on. Um, I really focused on the exercise of the lower extremity in general um, and specifically for the ankle. Um, And this is where it was kind of fun for me too, because I got to pretty much um, help as much as I could in terms of making my own rehab. Um, But I definitely had someone there by my side telling me what was right, what was wrong and what to focus on. And at that point in time, that was very beneficial for me. And, I'm glad I went through the process as a student because it helped to really frame what rehab is like for the lower extremity. So needless to say, you had a, a lot of home exercise because that's typically how it is. You go once every two weeks and that means the rehab basically fall 90% onto you. Actually, the rehab always falls 100% onto you, but usually with guidance. But sometimes it can be a little harder with if you go once every two weeks and then the rest, you have to be really diligent every day to do the rehab process yourself. Um, that, that can be, um, for most of my patients, when I tell them like, hey, listen, I know you come in here three times a week, but you have to do things at home yourself. And they look at me strange 
But when you do rehab, Andy, well, that this when you do rehab, the, most of the work you doing most of the work, and you have to take responsibility for you to get better. Did that any? Was there any sort of like mindset shift on you at all when you because you had to take responsibility for yourself that there wasn't anyone going to guide you like day in and day out? Yeah, it was. It was a little slightly difficult because I'm um, basically I I'm asking is, because what I'm asking is were you lazy at all when you were on your own <laughs> doing the rehab? <laughs> that that's a much more blunt way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, overall, I'm going to say not really. Um, okay. I was pretty diligent, mostly because one, I knew the importance of it. Two, I was absolutely dying to get back to do anything because I, I was slightly behind in terms of healing in general. Three, what I ended up doing actually is whatever time I would spend at the gym, now I'm just spending that doing my rehab. Oh, and okay. because it was very much exercise driven, I was getting a workout out of it. And another thing that I did was I really integrated it with my daily life. So even when, um, even when watching TV or playing video games, I was constantly stretching the ankle, constantly doing like a dorsiflexion stretch to make sure my ankle was nice and loose. And, you know, even things like driving home from school, right? If I am driving past the gym, all I have to do mentally is say, okay, just make a right turn, just get in the gym parking lot and like just go inside and do something. And if you can do little things every day, I think it's going to turn out for you well in the long run just because. You're getting in the habit of things. You're moving it more. You're staying diligent. And because I was kind of playing a, a pretty big role in, in making my exercise, I made things that were realistic and doable for me. So it wasn't a list of 20 exercises and I was doing the same thing every time. It was a list that was rotating every two, three weeks. So I, it would stay fresh and enjoyable to me. Got you. Because it's not what you're describing is not something a typical person will be able to do. Like, I, I just want to make that point to the listeners, like taking care of your own rehab and going through the exercise and changing them and sticking to them every day, going to the gym. That is hard. That is hard. It takes a certain amount of motivation. You know, it, 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 it takes that much to actually go through the process. And let's not forget, let's say you, some, you someone who work, who's, who has a job too, or who has a, like, for example, you have a desk job or anything like that. You don't need to walk and you have to go through your rehab, sit at, at, sit on a desk, um, sit at the desk for eight hours. And then afterwards you're so tired, you want to get home, but you have to like go and bring yourself to the gym so you can do the exercise that was prescribed to you. That's. That is hard, guys. You know, it may seem like, yeah, you just got to go after it. But no, man, life happens, man. It does happen. And I mean, the reason why I said at the beginning that it was, I was mostly on top of it and completely not on top of it all the time is that there was that week or two where I was like, man, I'm just being crushed with school or whatever. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is a single leg calf raise right now. Like, I just don't want to do it. That's, that's the life that happens. That's what I mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it, there were those weeks like that where I was, I was kind of coasting it. And those are the weeks where if you go to rehab, 
you're forced to do the exercise to do it. And there, there was a week or two where I definitely needed that. Okay. All right. So at some point throughout the rehab, if you do the rehab on your own, at some point you're going to, you're going to dip a little bit. You just got to make sure you don't dip all the way down and crash. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I wouldn't even say on my own really, because I was in, although I was in physical therapy once every two or three weeks, I was sending weekly updates to my, to my physical therapist and we chat saying, Hey, I think I want to add this. Can we add this? Uh, let's take out that. Let's replace it with this. So although it was, um, although I was on my own in terms of performing the exercises, I was definitely in contact with my PT throughout the entire process. Okay. When were you able to run? What was um, the timeline? It was I, my first. This one was around March, April, around that range. And if I have another tip for you guys, if you guys are returning to run, definitely stick to whatever program your PT um, has for you. So my first run was like a a walk run for two miles. So Mm -hmm. I would walk for three quarters of a mile, run the last bit of it, repeat that again. And it was like a, it was an eight to 12 week process where you would slowly integrate more running and less walking into the program until you can run three miles straight. Mm-hmm. So by that time, you, you, you already had a decent amount of strength into your leg, right? Because if you don't have that yep. strength, you won't be able to run. Mm-hmm. And this was about the time, it was April, May-ish. I was starting to feel slightly overconfident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine if I, if I was a, an active soccer player at the time, uh, this is the, about the time where I'd be like, all right, like, um, I'm almost ready. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is my time. Like I, I, it's time for me to return. And this is where I kind of made a little bit of a mistake. Um, I was volunteering pitch. for, I, I try to go on the pitch. Yeah. So <laughs> I was volunteering for <laughs> a soccer academy at the time in the athletic training room. And, um, Every week, you know, walking in, seeing 20 beautiful soccer, soccer fields, walking out, same thing. And it was around April, May-ish. So when I was leaving at 8 p.m., the sun was still kind of up. And one day I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going for it. So I got my ball out. I went on one of the fields. And I tried running, like, really fast. And I'm like, yeah, this field is good. So mm. I started dribbling with the ball. I was like, yeah, this feels good. And then I dribbled up. I took a shot and oh my God, bro, it was the probably the worst shot I ever took. And I'm like, oh my God, that felt that felt weird. Like it did not feel normal. So I probably took another 40 to 50 shots after that. And they were all absolutely terrible. And at that point, like it hit me like, damn, did I like, did I just lose my touch? Like, don't get me wrong. I was never like a superstar to begin with, but like that was terrible. Like whether I was shooting with my left or my right, like it was a, it was a terrible, terrible experience for me. So at that point I was like, man, maybe I'll like never be a good, like a decent soccer player ever again. But, um, but yeah. Hmm. That touch the when you went home, did, did you have pain? <laughs> That's another thing. Actually my knee hurt after that. Ah, okay. <laughs> my knee did hurt after that. And 
that was in April, May-ish. Um, it was then when, when I went back to PT, I was like, all right, it's time to do some like more power-based exercise. We're doing like single leg jumps, single leg hops and everything like that. And it actually wasn't until I didn't start the true return to sport process until about September. Um, I think that was mostly because... Which was how far, how far along in terms of months since the surgery? Uh, 10 months. Ooh, 10 that's months. a long so time. It's a long time. And this is one of the things... That's that almost say, that's, like, that's like ACL type of rehab. Yeah, yeah. And part of the reason I think it was that long was because I wasn't going to PT two to three times a week. Uh, okay. um, because it, it was a tough balance. And I didn't realize it at the time, but when you don't go to your PT every, every week, what happens is your, your decision-making process becomes a lot longer. And instead of moving you along at the pace that your PT would like, it more becomes dictated onto the patient's schedule. Mm. So because I was only showing up every two to three weeks, I could really only take those major progressions once every two to three weeks. So because of that, I think it took a lot longer for me to truly return. That and around like the, the June-July period, I became slightly, again, a little bit lazy with the exercises huh. because I was feeling confident saying, like, hey, like this is – it's moving along quickly. I can do things like juggle. I can do simple ball activities. Um, and I was, I think at the beginning I was focusing a little bit more on the ball as opposed to just getting my explosiveness back. Okay. All right. So th- 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 what are some of the stuff that you have to do to get like your return to play? So it's basically, is it like, was it like typical return to play or were there some underlying weakness that you didn't see because you were trying to do the rehab? yourself yeah so the the one thing that i noticed was when you're returning you have to be it still hits me sometimes but you have to be confident if you're not confident especially coming from a major injury like that you're always in the back of your mind the back of your head you're always thinking am i going to re-injure something in my case i was thinking like, I swear to God, every time, this is why I do my warm-up every time, but I was like, I'm going to tear my Achilles. Like, my, ca- my left calf is weaker. I- I'm going to tear my Achilles. It's going to happen. It just happened to Kevin Durant. Like, and I just oh, saw shit. that at the time. And I was like, that played into my psyche a little bit too. I was like, this is going to happen to me. And if you're not confident, that's always in the back of your head. And if that's in your head, what's not in your head is the game in front of you. So it took a lot out of me to make sure that my Achilles strength was strong enough, my explosiveness was strong enough. And I actually passed my return to sport in about September, but I I, I did like, you know, the single leg hop, the triple hop, the six meter hop, all that stuff. And it came back to around 90%. And subjectively to me, I was like, okay, even though it's 90%, I still didn't feel that good with it. So I actually extended my rehab by about another six to eight weeks just to get myself back up to that 90, like that 95, closer to 100%. And that did happen, which made me more confident, which made me feel better about being more explosive on the field. Mm. So that's the, that's the part that 
you know i i don't really know well not i've i've never experienced really i've never experienced a surgery but the aspect of um oh i'm gonna like re-injured my i'm gonna tear something because of that injury of that previous injury that is something i i don't think i've I've never think about when I when I play or anything like that. So usually I get an ankle injury, I go right back full throttle <laughs> again. Yeah. And no no I like, fear of getting injured again. I think I would be somewhat that way just if I didn't have a physical therapy education huh. and I didn't I didn't know that like one you can even tear your Achilles like that and t- that a broken bone could feed into that because the calf is that much weaker. But yeah, it's it play. I would say there is not a single day I step on the soccer field where I say that if I don't do my warm up, that I'm going to tear my Achilles. Like oh, it's still, it's still it's there for me. Still there, you know? huh? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's why I do my warm up. I've never done my warm up religiously until pt school now that i'm in it i wouldn't even think about stepping on the field without doing it that I, you know what now that you say that i wonder if how the professional soccer player feel after a you know like a big acl rehab that that's probably that's one of probably one of the reasons why they some of them don't ever come back the same player they used to be because you know that 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 thing is still in their psyche that you know i might re-injure it again and because of that they never fully they're not hundred percent present into the game yeah and i would say that i would feel the same way if i wasn't able to read and understand the research and say that okay if you're at 95 percent, your risk is extremely low and the only thing you can do on your end to keep that risk low is do your warm-up which is why like am i scared to play no Am I scared to play without warming up? Yes. So the solution is all I do is warm up every single time. And that that takes it out of my psyche. Now mm. I can play 100%. Versus okay. if you have a, a normal player who doesn't really understand that, it might stay there. Okay. All right. That's, that's, that's very informative today, man. I, I learned a lot from just I, – I knew the process of surgery, but coming from you who I know and who've gone through it, and it's a little bit longer. It just shows me sometime, you know, things doesn't always go to schedule. And you also give me some some highlight on how, because what you did was crazy. Because I wouldn't feel comfortable doing this rehab by myself, even when I'm in PT school. <laughs> I would not feel comfortable doing that at all, man. Mm-hmm. Well, but, I mean, again, I... I I don't think it was truly by myself because you keep again, saying that you keep saying that, but fam, you seeing your physical therapist only twice, only once or twice every two weeks. And then you have to do everything. Why? That's a long gap between each visit that you have to take care of it on is, your own. It is, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's pretty big. It's a big deal. True question now is um, how confident do you feel if yeah, you wear I mean, shorts? 
Like, is your leg like the same size? As oh, yo, other? my calf is so. Here's the thing. <laughs> nah, they're, they're the same, bro. Honestly, there are very few redeeming parts about my body. One of them is I have very large calves. Like, every uh-huh. time I go to like a CrossFit box or whatever, like, yo, what'd you do to your calves? Like, why are you so big? <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, my mom's calves are even bigger. It doesn't even work out. So, I got my calves from my mom. Oh, my God, bro. If you guys are interested, you can go to my my Instagram, go to my my injury or surgery story. You can flip through it. I have measurements of both calves side to side. And you'll be able to see how much smaller my other calf got. It was insane. But yeah, they're they're back to 100%. You you, you you got the gains. Got the gains back. They're equal and even without it. Because, you know, some people don't ever get the same mass ever. No, my, my mass is definitely, definitely back. <laughs> all right. We good. <laughs> okay. That's, 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 I mean, that's, that's about all the questions that I have. I don't know if you have any take home for the listeners based on, you know, that long, extensive experience that you had. I would say... Point number one, see your PT before you have surgery. Point number two, see your PT on a very regular basis after you have surgery. And point number three, if you're quote unquote off of schedule in terms of rehab, if you're feeling a little bit behind, that's okay. There are reasons people fall behind and everyone who does fall behind, you can most likely um, return in the long run. It just takes you a little bit longer. Um, In my particular case, one of the things that really was holding me back was um, being explosive on my left leg and asking my left leg to physically propel about 200 pounds of mass after having extensive calf surgery, that takes a long time. It takes a long time. So especially if you're on the heavier side and you're trying to return to explosive sport, don't be surprised if it takes you a little bit longer. Okay. That's well said. Uh, I tell This is something I tell all my patients. Whenever you do rehab, it's not like it's a smooth process where your progress goes from all the way down and goes all the way up smoothly. No, there's always some ups and downs. Yep. Yeah. All right. I think that's, that's about it for today, guys. All right. See you all next week. Peace.